Real Talk listeners, welcome back. Welcome back. We are on episode three of our series, and we are talking about kind of who does it well and who doesn't. But interestingly enough, today we have a special guest. Michelle and I are going to be having a great debate. Employee engagement surveys. You know, interestingly enough, our listeners hear us all the time talk about how employee engagement surveys are crap. Not necessarily the survey itself, but the whole process procedure surrounding it. So interestingly enough, we had one of our listeners want to debate us on this topic. So today we have John with us. He is coming to us with uh, a slew of debates on employee engagement. But John, before we get into this debate, introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, everybody. My name is John. I've, I've actually, this is my second time on the podcast. I don't know if real diehard listeners, it was about a year and a half ago. I guess longtime listener, second caller. I think I made the same joke last time. So I've been listening about employee engagement surveys and listening to this. And from time to time on the podcast, I hear the two of you say something. And I just go, you know, that's okay. That's an opinion. I'd love to talk about that. So I reached out and said, let's have a conversation about employee engagement surveys and what they are and what they aren't and help clarify that. And I'm ready to debate. Let's go. All right. Well, we are super excited to have you in that one ring of the corner. In our other ring of the corner, we have longtime champion of Real Talks, Michelle. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hello, guys. You know, it's funny, Maria, just like two episodes ago, remember? I think it was on the episode where we kind of gave a recap of ourselves. I was like, guys, I really do want you to debate with me. Well, I guess we got our wish, didn't we, Maria? Ask and you shall receive. So, Ask and um, you shall receive. So, so John, without- you are right. We often state our opinion And someone told me this before, so I'll go ahead and kind of own it and sort of apologize, but not really. Is that a thing? Okay. (laughs) So someone told me once before that while they recognize a lot of things that you say are opinions as are mine, that I say them so emphatically that if someone is not informed on the topic, they just assume it to be fact. The truth is, I recognize that about myself. I've been told it before, but I can't apologize for it because I don't know how to change that personality. But the truth is, it is my opinion. And so far, that opinion is honestly based on companies that I have interacted with or worked for who have all done it badly. So I've just never seen it successful I have seen companies do other things to collect feedback and be successful, just not a climate survey. I absolutely understand. And for the most part, I agree. And I think what we're going to end up talking about here, and this is you know part of my plan of what I was thinking about, <laughs> is you're right. Most companies do employee engagement surveys terribly, absolutely terribly. I can tell you stories. I uh, here I had one where this is a I was working for a company. They did an employee engagement survey. They only did it in like the three months before they were trying to win a you know best places to work award. So mm-hmm. instantly everybody knew like the only reason you're doing this is a test run to try and win this award. You don't actually care about what we mm-hmm. say. 
And this company did that shall remain anonymous. They made the mistake of doing the survey on a SurveyMonkey login that everybody had access to. So we all saw the data as it was coming in. They locked it down, but we all saw like 75% of the responses and all of the people knew what we all said and who got thrown under the bus and all of this. And then I'm going to keep going on this because it's a crazy story. Then we didn't hear anything. Two, three months went by. There was no response from anything. And eventually a response came from the CEO. It was an email and the email read, I'm sorry, I forgot to send this response out earlier. It got saved in my drafts folder. You might have noticed some of it has already taken place. Again, I apologize. I was on vacation. And we're like, oh, you couldn't remember to send the email because you were on vacation. <laughs> and then all of the things that they brought up were like, we bought you a basketball hoop. And we're like, yeah, we were really upset about our PTO policy. Like, right. <laughs> basketball hoop is not going to solve our PTO policy. And there's other things that we can, you know, I've got other stories again of how they are terrible. But here's my but. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Collecting data is important and it can be done well, right? So part of my position is like, all right, how often do you collect data? In your experience, like how often have you done an employee engagement survey? Well, to your first question, before I have Michelle chime in there, I think how often do you collect data? I don't think you should over-survey a population. So I think it's different Mm -hmm. towards what you need and it should be far and few between as opposed to an extreme frequency because you can over-survey a population or over-collect data. I also think Employee engagement surveys, depending on the organization, are either done annually or they're done quarterly on different topics and consolidated into one annual amount if you don't want to ask a ton of questions at once. So that's just my two cents or my thoughts on that. Michelle? I would agree if we were talking just the average company, collecting feedback at least annually is appropriate. However, I'm going to go back and say that it depends on the company I'm interacting with. If they're in a place of crisis already, obviously, John, you recognize this. We would start with more frequent and more thorough data collection. If they had a very stable culture, we'd probably fall into something cyclical. I would argue that a big annual survey, once a year, we're going to have the the survey that takes... 30 minutes that asks all of the questions. Yeah, that's appropriate. But I would argue a smaller collection, five questions, five simple questions that's going to take two minutes. That's part of a regular cadence. And I would argue a monthly cadence. It'll take your employees 30 seconds to fill out. And if they don't do it, it's not a big deal. You're not going to pressure them. That way you can track change over time. What happened this month is going to affect next month. If you're only making your survey collection once a year, you're going to find out, let's say, what everyone's feeling in January, and you're not actually going to know if it worked until 12 months later. If you were, let's say, a marketing executive, right, and you wanted to increase sales, are you only going to survey your population? Are you only going to make changes once a year and wait an entire year until that changes? Or do you want to collect a small amount of data? Again, not a whole lot and make it just part of a regular cadence and then make those changes and see how that affects month over month over month. So let's talk about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. Let's say really simple. 
a handful of questions. What are those questions that get you to the heart of what you're looking for? I think that will change based on the individual company, but I think they should be broad questions. Not how is this project going, but potentially, and and this is where we'll get into survey design of you need to have a very targeted question. How happy are you at work? I know it's a very subjective question, but potentially we could use behavioral anchored rating scales and create a one to 10 scale, right? 10, this is the best job I have ever had. I plan on retiring here. It is wonderful. Five, it is a paycheck. I show up, I go away. One, I am actively looking to quit. And ask that question or something like it month over month. Gauge how happy your employees are on a regular cadence. If you're a large organization, maybe it's not all of your employees. You know, maybe it's these 50 every other month on our even months, and then another subset on our odd months to be able to track data and track change over time. I love that answer. Thank you. And I actually like the idea a lot. I'm not saying you've won me over. Okay, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. But what But would... I do say I like that idea. One of the challenges that I have, and I know that it's a real thing, which is good that Maria and I are sole proprietors of this podcast. So I can feel less bad when I'm super opinionated. One of the things I recognize that I do is I will state that general opinion that I have, and I don't always focus on the root cause or the reason that drives that opinion. And with this particular topic, there are a couple things. And so I'm going to ask before we jump all the way to design, which I was ready to do, by the way, that we step back and we address sort of what I see personally as the root causes for why Mm -hmm. they don't work. One you named already. So I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. Maria, if you can help us keep track of these, because I know I'm going to forget. One being companies do not do this well from the design of them to creating them in a way that addresses their organizational challenges. Sometimes I think that most companies just go steal the most common engagement survey and repeat those questions, which get them nowhere. Then the next piece from the organizational perspective that they own is that they don't do anything with it. And I've seen companies attempt to where after the data is collected and it's reviewed by an HR team with the leaders, the leaders then have what they call a productive planning session and they're supposed to pull their team together, come up with... Notice I keep saying supposed to because I think that's another one of those breakdowns is that... If they do have productive planning sessions, they do what you mentioned before. They go with the easy answer, which is add a baseball, basketball hoop, and they don't really get to the heart of the problems. Nothing changes, and therefore, employees lose faith in it. So that's problem number one. Organizations are not good at doing this. I also believe, number two, that most organizations, HR does not have enough authority to usurp executive decisions. And when it comes to engagement surveys, they should be driven by someone who understands. And in most cases, that is not an operational leader who understands the importance of collecting people data, processing it, and putting together a plan to solve it. 
So that's problem number two is HR's position in the company. And then problem number three is human nature or employees' reluctance to be completely honest in a survey for whatever reason, their personal reasons. Even when people leave a company, it is a tendency not to burn bridges and make their lives more difficult. And so they are not likely, I have found, to be very honest with their feedback. The three of us talk about those. How do you want to tackle those three things? All right. First of all, I'm going to start off with all three of them. I don't disagree on any of them. Not a single one. Damn it! You are absolutely right. Here's the catch. That's not the survey's fault. Collecting data from your employees is important. If you have an employee engagement survey and the first 15 questions are demographic questions on what day were you born? What is your eye color? How tall are you? Like, of course, your employees are not going to trust you. That's poor survey design. Absolutely. And if your employees don't trust that they can fill out a form that's supposed to be anonymous and give that feedback, that's not the survey's fault. Like, I mean, because survey is just a tool, right? It's just a thing. That is the company culture. You have a company culture where you cannot trust putting something on paper. And that is a much bigger issue. And you're absolutely right. If your employees do not feel that they can fill one of these out, honestly, that is a symbol of a much bigger problem. I don't know if it's so much of a company culture problem. Yes, I agree on that aspect. However, Mm -hmm. if you are a people leader with two direct reports and you get comments from an engagement survey, you can quite easily determine who said what about you. Absolutely. And this is what I would do if John ruled the world. I often, you know, this is my if I ruled the world type of thing. I would start small. Make a survey that has no comments, that is very broad, that's about the big picture of the company and build trust. Start there. And then as time goes on, as you build trust with your employees, this might be a six-month to a year process. I'm not talking like, we're going to do a survey on Tuesday and then another one on Thursday and we've built trust. Create an environment and a bigger picture where you, and if your employees can come to you. And, it may not be and trust those things Yeah. And you're not going to catch not be tr- It may be someone who doesn't like conflict. I don't want conflict. I don't want someone mm-hmm. to know that I said something negatively. So... I don't want to say anything bad about my boss knowing that they have a small org and they could probably figure out it was me. You know, the company might have the greatest culture in the world. And And, and I think from not adding comments, you don't get any context on stuff because then you have no idea how or why they answered the question that they did. And not never add comments, but give people the option to add comments or not add comments. So if they don't want to put that in there, they don't have to. And surveys aren't going to catch everything. You're not going to get 100% of your data. You're not going to get perfect data from this, especially because it's an opinion-based survey. But if you're not going to ask, you're not going to at least give them the opportunity. And if they're afraid to do it, if they don't want to, fine. Like, don't push people like, hey, we noticed you didn't fill out your survey. That's bad as well. Like, here is this tool. It's important for everybody. You can fill it out if you want to. This is an opportunity, but you don't have to. Now, Michelle, you were also talking in kind of on that trust aspect, a couple weeks ago, one of the podcasts about the value of small group feedback. Bring someone in, a skilled facilitator, to be able to do that. So I'm going to tell you, this is a personal story because I was involved in one of those. 
we had a whole bunch of people. There's like, we're not, you know, five or six of us were sitting in the room. And one of the last people to walk in was the vice president's godson. Oh, no. Everybody, he was an employee. He was a nice guy. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But do you think that we got honest information from that? Of course not. Of course not. That doesn't mean, for my opinion, is that you should never do a small group survey or a small group meeting. I just think you should do both. That you should create an environment for with a trained facilitator who can draw this information out in a small group setting and do an employee engagement survey and check those results against each other, right? See what people are saying when you know it's anonymous and see what people are saying in the small group. And if there's a difference there, that's something to explore. Why are people saying this in the small group and this in the survey? What's going on? And it's just a key to look into it more. So let's talk, you started talking about this a little bit, but let's get back to what you said in regards to if an organization is struggling, then here's a method to start this process. And I think that is the key problem here is in the cases where we've seen surveys that don't work, the organization is the heart of the problem. And Maria, I know you said it may not always be trust, but I think there are elements of trust, even in non-confrontational situations, you don't trust that your feedback will be received the way you are giving it. You're afraid that people will be reactive and not truly, and I face this a lot, so I get it, and not truly take the feedback from the place that is coming from. So I do think there are a whole lot of elements, regardless of how they manifest, that boil back to a lack of trust that I can be honest about the environment I'm in. But it's like this never-ending cycle. The company is untrustworthy. Therefore, I do not trust that I can share my open and honest feedback because they have proven that they are untrustworthy. And this cycle just goes on and on and reinforces an environment where we spend a significant amount of time, significant amount of money on surveys that are not getting the data that we need, the honest data that we need. So you started talking about in John's perfect world, here's what I would do. So let's build that perfect world based on the concept of the company sucks at this. Absolutely. Okay. The company sucks at this. Step number one, and you brought it up just a second ago, of authority to enact change is kind of what we were talking about. Before you even do the employee engagement survey, you need a champion. Is your CEO, is the C-suite on board with this? And if they're not, this is one where I'll throw the engagement survey. Don't do it. Don't do an employee engagement survey. If your CEO, if your C-suite executives aren't on board with taking this information, analyzing it, and making meaningful change, I think you're just going to end up upsetting your employees when they fill out the survey. Like Just like what happened to us. The example that I gave at the very beginning, we all put our information in there and we ended up with a basketball hoop. And that demoralized everybody. The CEOs, the executive team, they weren't on board. And you said, you know, the HR person often doesn't have the ability to make that change. Oftentimes, you'll get that directive from the C-suite and say, we need to improve employee engagement. And often the question is asked like, well, what can we do? What can we do to improve employee engagement? I think a better question is, what are we willing to do? What is that top level executive team willing to do to improve this? Are they willing to be open and honest? 
Are they willing to admit mistakes and faults in a healthy, productive manner? Right. I'm not saying like we screwed up, you know, and, and cause fear in the company, but there are some great companies out there that have this culture. I don't know if you guys are listening to uh, Adam Grant, the organizational psychologist. He's got a podcast and books and all that type of stuff. He had a person on that he was interviewing and talking about the culture of fail, where once a month they would bring everyone in and they would have this kind of round table of people would stand up and say, this is what I tried. This is how it failed. This is what I learned. And this is how I'm going to do better. And this was part of their company culture and part of their process. And it was great for them, but it created an environment where people could be honest about, you know what, this didn't work. Let's move forward. A lot of companies don't have that. It's, you know, only put your best foot forward, hide your mistakes. But the bigger question of what are you willing to do? What is a company willing to do is a more appropriate question as opposed to what can we do? Let's look at that C-suite level, like that senior executive level for just a second, because I do often feel that it is a lack of overall leadership buy-in to the process that becomes a problem. Guys, I did not do a survey on this, and I admit that often. (laughs) This is just my opinion. And my opinions are often really accurate. So I want to talk about what I perceive as a potential root cause to the what are they willing to do in that senior leadership level. I have seen more often than not that leaders get on board for something because it is a hot topic. Is it possible that people just truly do not understand the importance of employee engagement. And they're just throwing out buzzwords saying, we need to see if our employees are engaged. What's our employee engagement like? I truly feel that we don't understand the impact employee engagement has on the success of the company. How do we fix that? I know I just did lightly. No, 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 you're, you're great. I love this stuff. Here's where you know I came on to debate and all this, but I keep agreeing with you because I think you're like there's wonderful kernels of truth in that of like the C-suite executives. I believe that there is a strong disconnect between employee engagement and the C-suite. You know, not to throw the C-suite that they want the buzzwords, they want the best places to work, trophies. You know, they want those accolades, but they want it for superficial reasons. I think the great companies that truly are wonderful. And maybe they're not the most profitable companies, but the great ones, the C-suite gets it. That employee engagement is a benefit for all. And to really get them on board, you have to show ROI. It is incredibly easy to do that. Go onto Google Scholar, type in employee engagement results, and you can find many peer-reviewed. I'm not talking, you know... I saw this on BuzzFeed and my LinkedIn profile prompted me for, you know, this or, you know, a friend on Facebook. There is an entire years of research on employee engagement in a variety of different ways and different factors that basically shows you synthesize it all together into a meta-analysis and it's engaged employees are more productive. More productive employees have better ROI. You want to increase your bottom line, have engaged employees. And it's not, and again, going back to, I'm going to throw that basketball hoop under the bus again, not talking about a basketball hoop. I'm talking about a culture of trust where you can, in my current role, I went to, and this is, I, I think, a great example. I made a mistake. 
And within 20 minutes, I went to my boss and I said, boss, I made a mistake. This is what I did. Here's how I fixed it. And I'm not going to do that again. I didn't get berated. I didn't get put down. She's like, you know what, John? Thank you for telling me. I appreciate that. I'll keep an eye out for it. Good job. I was given positive accolades to say to my boss, I made a mistake and here's how I fixed it, as opposed to trying to hide it and never bring it up to her and all this type of stuff. But I'm going to be more productive with that. And I think deep level employee engagement isn't about a basketball hoop. It's about a culture of trust, a culture of common vision and goal, and also kind of accepting, you know, because that all sounds, you know, I don't know if high level, but a place where you can make money. Let's be honest. A big right. aspect of employee engagement is a big driver is a fair paycheck. Not saying everyone gets a Lamborghini, but a fair paycheck. For sure. It's funny as we're debating, and I agree with you as well. I said that reluctantly. Did you hear that? <laughs> like, darn it. I know because we were like, let's disagree. But I think we all do really boil down to the same thing is the people aspect of this is where the failure starts to happen, whether it is, and I don't mean that people are making the mistake, but it's the human nature of it, whether it's lack of buy-in from leadership or lack of trust between leaders and employees. And so, John, I do find that I agree with everything that you have said and brought up here. All right. That's a wrap, everybody. Thank you very much for this wonderful podcast. You've done your job. (laughs) (laughs) And you've probably heard us before talk about places like, and I'm not saying they're not things that Google has done right, because clearly they have people applying day and night to work for them. But Google built an atmosphere around what their employees or their desired employees want. It wasn't about the air hockey in the break room. The air hockey in the break room is just a fun thing that happens to be there. It was the culture around allowing people to be innovative, make mistakes, try things that other companies weren't willing to invest in. That culture is what brings people to Google While they happen to be there, they get to bring their dog, take a nap, and play air hockey. Those are just side effects. They are not the heart of why people apply at Google. Um, Yeah, exactly. So you're absolutely right. And again, going back to people being the failure, it becomes the easy answer. You read the survey and it says lots of really great stuff around lack of trust or lack of understanding a vision, which means we're not all working on the same shared vision. And then it also says that I don't have easy access to a break room. And as humans, we fix the thing that's easy, which is adding another break room on the other side of the building because that's easy to fix. And again, it becomes that superficial icing on the cake. Employees now believe that surveys are useless and you keep perpetuating the problem. It is ultimately human failure and not a tool failure. We'll continue making mentions about how engagement surveys are a fail, but I think like we mentioned, it's all of those consolidated approaches. Now, my challenge to John is who does it well? We're in a series. 
do you know anybody that does engagement surveys well that you can cheer on? Or is this a long road we still have to work towards in organizations? I think it's a long road that we have to work on towards organizations. And this is the one where I got really passionate about it is at a company I was at, I was in charge of the employee engagement survey. We had an incredibly high turnover. That was just part of the industry. So if we were to do an annual survey, we would have an entirely different population. You know, 90% of our employees would have turned over year to year. So we created, it was a monthly survey. It went out on the first business day of the month. It was five questions and it was the same five questions every month. And then we published the results. We did redact anything that was an issue. And we then publicly said how we're going to change. We heard this. This was our, your feedback. And here's what we're going to try this next month. Let us know if it works. And then the next month, and we had the survey was done on the first business day of the month. Everyone had five days to fill it out. If they didn't, no big deal. We took a week to synthesize the data. And after two weeks, we published the results and said, this is what we heard from you. Here's how we're going to make a change and try and do better. We'll see you in another two weeks. And it just became part of a regular cadence. And maybe monthly is not great for you. It was for this industry because we had such high turnover. And every quarter, we would do a bigger survey and say, okay, let's get a little more detail. That worked well for us. And I don't think that is going to work for every industry. I guess my big takeaway is it sounds like we're kind of wrapping everything up here is I think they can be done well, but they take an incredible amount of effort and planning and organization. And if you're not willing to do that, I don't think engagement survey is the right tool for you. Completely agree. If you're not willing to take action on your questions, then yes. And if you're not willing to take in the feedback and have true honesty in the organization without repercussions, there is a book we've mentioned in the past, Nine Lies About Work, that talks about employee engagement surveys. John, not sure if you've read it yet, but if you haven't, I'd recommend taking a deep dive into it. For all of our listeners, Nine Lies About Work, it has some questions potentially you could get started with depending on your organization size. We are also here for you at Real Talents to help you and support you. And you can also email us any questions you need for John. But that helps kind of establish it. But at the end of the day, if you're not taking action on anything, it's not really going to help support anything. First of all, loved having you here. And John, I would actually love for you to come back. Maybe in a future series, we can look at dissecting it from top to bottom. Because I think one of the things that we talked about earlier is it's got to start with your C-suite. So maybe we can offer our listeners some tips on how to build a great survey top down. Oh, maybe we do a building series, Michelle, because we give everybody high level stuff, but we never dive into the details. I love it. I love it. We'll give away some free consulting work here. (laughs) Love it, love it. That gave me an idea of, think about it, I've never seen this before, but an employee engagement survey that was literally a job evaluation for the CEO. Ask everyone in the company to write a job evaluation for the CEO and start there. I think that would be really interesting because it's targeted for one person. I I don't know. I don't know if it would work. I'd probably want to talk that through, but it's just kind of an idea that came up of an interesting exercise in an organization. Yes, it would. Love it. Well, it... In our next couple of episodes, we're going to continue driving who does it well. 
next episode is who does it well success at recruiting we're gonna find out who's recruiting really well and who has mastered the plan if they have so Thanks so much, John, for joining us. Michelle, I'm not sure this was a debate. I can't really ding ding a champion on this one. But, you know, I think John did win a little bit of his argument with us. So we just need to provide more clarity. So thanks so much, John, for joining us. Until next time, everyone. Take care. Bye.